Good morning, guys. Trust everyone is well and dry and ready to dig into the Word. Will you turn in your Bibles to James chapter 2, verse 1? We're going to continue our study in this great book that they call James the Proverbs of the New Testament. James was a half-brother of Jesus, and he writes to the scattered Jewish Christians in that area. So it's really first generation. They're trying to figure out, how do I do this Christianity thing? How do I live a life of faith? How do I control my tongue? How do I deal with temptation? How do I go through trials? And, and today we're going to talk about favoritism, prejudice, and, 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 and you'll see it in James chapter 2. As you're turning there and you're pulling out your outline, I just want to shout out, just give a great shout out to all our kids' church workers. I am so grateful and appreciative for those guys. Can you give them a hand? Many of them, uh, some of them are here, some of them are serving our kids. We were, at, we were out to eat the other day, and my little Maddie saw one of her workers and just was so excited to see him, ran up to him, gave him a hug. And I'm just, I'm just thankful for our, our leaders, Miss Diana and her team, that, that make it. You know, we don't say our kids' ministry is babysitting. It's a ministry. It's trying to reach kids on their own level. And that's why we encourage you to put your kids in there. We, we think if you got 0 to 12, the best place for your kid on a Sunday morning is in kids' church. It'll be better for you. It'll be better for them. It'll be better for the people around you. And it'll be better for me. Trust me in that. Now, now a couple weeks ago, I was preaching, and I just got done preaching. And I was in the altar call. And, and I, I mean, I, I just, just ready for people to get saved, every head bowed, every eye shut. It's going to be a great day, great time. And about that time, a little baby woke up from his nap. And he was mad. I think he wanted me to be quiet. He, he was mad at me for going so long. And, and it just kind of took the, took, took the air right out of the room. So I just want to encourage you if, you, if you do, if you are a young mom, have young kids, we have a room over on my right, your left, that you can still hear, still be a part of the service. There's a rocker. There's some toys. There's some things you can do. And, and uh, I just encourage you to do that. Also, I wanted to just say next week is, you know what next week is? Mother's Day. Make sure you get out and get your gift. We're going to honor moms. It's going to be a great day. Today we're in the book of James. And so uh, let me just, here's the principle right out the gate. If you're new today, we just, oftentimes we'll work through books of the Bible and and we're in one of the books. It's James. Here's the principle stated that we're going to talk about today. James says, my brothers as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Will you show that, say that word, don't show favoritism. It's prejudice. It's, it's giving preferential treatment to people are, are withholding honor from other groups of people, people that are maybe not like you or look like you or, or, or maybe even, even act like you. It's discriminating. It's showing partiality. And James says, again, he's writing a new, t- new believer, not new believers. They've been walking with the Lord, but they're new now Jesus is not resurrected very long, and, and they're trying to make a difference and be the salt. They're coming out of Judaism into Christianity, and, and, and Judaism, well, I'll get there in a minute. And James is just saying, hey, guys, it's not right. Don't, don't be prejudiced. And we tend to do it in a lot of areas to show favoritism or prejudice or, or give preferential treatment. Oftentimes, we'll, we'll treat others based on how they look or on how they don't look. And, and you know, that really got... The, the prophet in a lot of trouble when he goes to Jesse's house, he's trying to pick out a king and he says, hey, Jesse, let me see your boys. God has a king from your house, from your line. Let me see your boys. And he, 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 he produces seven of them. They all come out. He goes from the strongest to the weakest, shows off their muscles. May, I don't know, 
talks, lets them know what they look like, what they're about. And, and the prophet Samuel says, I just, I'm not feeling it. I don't think, I don't think any of these are from the Lord. And I'm pretty confident God told me he's going to come from your house. Do you have any other boys? Well, I got one kid. He's the run of the litter. He's out in the pasture, tending sheep. If these seven weren't good enough, I know he's not going to be good enough. Samus said, bring him to me. And sure enough, David comes. And David is the one that's anointed as king. And why is that? Because the Lord does not look at the things man looks at. And this is what James is trying to tell us. Quit looking at just the outward. Quit looking at what everybody else is looking at. Quit looking what the world looks like. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He wants to know what's in the heart. And, and we got to get past. If, we don't, if we're not careful, we'll discriminate. We'll give preferential treatment. We'll, we'll withhold honor just because of some, somehow someone looks. We also do it in the, in the idea of race and, and, and if different color, nationality, ethnic background. We, we discriminate. We show favoritism. John gets a revelation. He gets a picture of heaven, and he records these words for us. I looked, and before me there was a great multitude that no one could count. And can I, can I just encourage you? You want to be in that multitude. You, you, you want to be in heaven one day. From every nation. From every... No, they were just from America. No, they weren't. They were from every nation. They were from Iran. They were from Iraq. They were from Afghanistan. They were from Africa. They were all... Every tribe, every people, every language. They were standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. And what were they doing? What were they doing in front of Jesus? They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hand. And they cried out in a loud voice. I love it. They did in a loud voice. In heaven, our worship is a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the, sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. There was people from every race, every background, every nationality, every tribe, every tongue. They were worshiping God around the throne. And here, here, here's the God... God is colorblind. God doesn't see color. He doesn't see race. There, there's a story in, in Acts chapter 10. And, and we need to be, we need to, again, we just need to be reminded of this. Acts chapter 10. Peter is a Jew. And, 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 and Jews back then, I mean, you had to be Jew. You had to be from, that's why Paul, when he, when he kind of told his, his background, he would say, I'm from the tribe of Levi. Levi. Uh, I'm a Pharisee amongst Pharisees. Because to the Jews, position mattered, and title mattered, and nationality mattered, and background mattered. It was all important. And Peter is this proud Jewish guy who gets this, who gets this dream from heaven. And the Bible says that he's, he's sleeping one day, and this sheet comes down, and it opens up, and there's all these kind of animals in there, two-footed, four-footed, reptiles, everything. And, and, and Peter couldn't really figure it out, and and the, and, the, and the voice said, hey, I want you to eat of these animals. And Peter said, there's no way. I'm not going to call clean what you've already declared unclean. And it happened three times. And eventually the, the word came and, and, and God said, don't, Peter, don't call anything unclean. I've already called clean. And right as he wakes up, this guy from Cornelius' house shows up. Cornelius is a Gentile. Cornelius is different from Peter. Different background, different heritage, different... And Peter is, is, is took by some of Cornelius' men to, to Cornelius' house, and they minister and witness. And after his time together, Peter says this, God does not show favoritism. He just doesn't. He's colorblind. It doesn't matter to him social status, standing. It doesn't matter your wealth or your economy. It doesn't matter what you make or what you don't make. 
He accepts men from every nation. Doesn't matter where you are, what you're about. Who fear Him and do what's right. You remember Martin Luther King? I mean, I have this dream. I have a, can I just remind you, read it to you again. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise and live out the true meaning of its creed. That we hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. I have a dream that, that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit together at a table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a desert state, sweltering the heat of injustice and oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four children will one day in a, will live in a nation where they're not judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream that where little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls and walk together in sisters and brothers. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low and the rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh will see it together. Martin Luther had a dream that, that black wouldn't see white and whites wouldn't see black, that we would be brothers. But you know, that's been God's theme from the very beginning. He said there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither black or white, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's why James says, don't show favoritism. It's wrong because we're all one. God doesn't see us as different sects or different groups. He sees us as his children. You know where else we show prejudice is an inability. And, 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 and it's just, it's just kind of natural. Our society makes heroes out of winners and, and we push back leaders, we, uh, losers. We idolize the, the Seth Currys of our day and the Taylor Swift's. I don't idolize Taylor Swift's, but, but some of you do, so I had to just put that in there. I just want you to know she's not one of my heroes, but maybe she's, I don't even know why I said that, but, but, but we, we just, we, we idol, I had these boys in high school. I went to high school with two boys that went in the NFL, Chris Slade and Terry Kirby. And this was a long time ago, so many of you don't even remember them. They went to UVA. They were both uh, All-Americans, went on to the NFL. Slade had a a great run, and, and, and in high school, they were treated like Zeus and Apollos. I mean, they were, that kids wanted their autographs, everybody wanted their journey, jer, uh, jersey, a newspaper reporter wanted to meet with them, teachers gave them press, and they were good kids. I mean, I'm not, they were good kids. They were, they were not the, probably, maybe the athlete that you might think about. They went to class, they did, they were good kids, but I was a good kid, and nobody treated me like that. They didn't, they didn't want anything to, they really didn't want it. And here's what I know. In high schools all across, across America, we discriminate. We show favoritism because of somebody's ability or, or their lack of. And you need to know being a nerd won't keep you out of heaven. And being an athlete or being cool won't keep you out of hell. It's, it's, it's don't show favoritism. That's what, that's what, and, and here's, here, I'm a father. You, you know that. I got five kids and, and I, 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 I show Unfortunately, I show some partiality. I don't want to, but my baby girl is just my baby girl. And, you, you, and, and she's prettier than the boys. <laughs> she's sweeter than me. My, she'll give me a foot massage. My boys aren't touching my feet. They, she is able to manipulate me better than the boys. She's got that down to a science. And, some of you know, and, and, and I love my boys. I love them. I think the world of them. But there's something about that girl, and my boys will tell you I show her preferential treatment. You just got to know God's not like that. He's not like me. He doesn't show favorites. 
He's created us all with different talents and different skills. And, and when we use them to our fullest potential, it brings him great pride. Whether we can jump, dunk a basketball or can't jump over a phone book. If we make 1600 our SAT or can't pass our driver's license test. He, we're his and he's ours and, and he loves us and he cares about us. And it is evident throughout scripture and it's emphasized over and over again that God is no respecter of persons. And the problem is, he doesn't treat his kids differently, but his kids are treating others differently. And it's getting him mad. It's getting him upset. And so he uses, the, 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 he uses James to, to, share the, to share the story. And then he, he, gives, he, he illustrates the principle. And that's the next verse in, back in the book of James, chapter 2, verse 2. And, and, and don't get caught up on on the wealth and poor thing. It's just an illustration. It could carry on to anything. But suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. Now he's talking to the church. You, and he's talking about a church meeting. He's talking about where we gather together to worship. And a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes, and you say, hey, here's a good seat for you. C- come to the front. Come sit by me. Hey, be my special guest today. But if you say to the poor man, you stand there, sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated? Have you not showed favoritism? Have you not been prejudiced among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? I want you to think about the worst seat that you maybe at a ball game or, or, or the worst, best seat, worst seat you ever had. For a season, the Rock, Richmond Outreach Center, was, uh, was in between pastors. And so they asked me to come over and, and preach. And so Saturday nights for about 8 to 12 weeks, I would, I would go and, and, and preach. And I got to know some of their leadership team. And, and one of the guys on their leadership team had season passes to the Washington Wizards. And after I'd been there about eight weeks, he said, hey, if you ever want to go to a Wizards game, let me know. And I'm like, yeah, man, I'd love to go. I'd love to take the boys. The family could go. And, and you know, I'm thinking any seat's good for me. I'm used to the to the nosebleed section. That's what I'm used to paying for. That's what I get. When we get there, we, we, we have valet parking. We hop out of our car. We're right in front of the, the, the entrance. We have $30 in food vouchers as part of the ticket. We had so much nachos and popcorn. I mean, we just, we, we felt sick. Emily was just, I mean, she ate every piece of junk food she could get a hold of. And we were on the sixth row at half court. We, you know, when you're looking in the nosebleed section, those guys look like they're about three feet tall. When you are on the sixth row and, uh, and half court, they look, the seven footers, they look seven foot. I mean, it was the most, we had the best, it was the most, it was the greatest way to see a game. I, and when I looked on the price of the ticket, the value of the ticket that that guy gave me, it was $300 a ticket, 1500 bucks for my five family. I don't know what he paid, that's. I would never pay that. Thank God for nice people that want to bless me. And it was awesome because I was blessed. I was blessed. And at 15, I'm not paying that. I don't know. Maybe you can. Maybe you will. I'm not. You just do whatever. Best seat I ever had. Sixth row, Washington. Worst seat I've ever had was on an airplane. And uh, I knew I was in trouble when it said zone eight on my ticket. I knew I was in trouble. And so they call us on there and... And I, I walk, I'm going past the first class, you know first class. Oh, that's first class. And then you go to the business class, and it's not as good as first class, but it's better. And then you go to coach, and I keep walking and keep walking, and I have the last seat by the bathroom in the airplane. 
And this was a plane that had been going back and forth already, so the bathroom already stunk. And I'm sitting in the middle, and I'm just praying that nobody shows up. And you know how you're looking? And I know this isn't spiritual, but you're looking and you're like, please, please, Lord, don't let him be. Don't, don't, don't let, just don't let him. And this great big old guy, I mean, he's big. He, he's real big. <laughs> like Bigfoot big. He's big. And he comes and plops down. He's got the, the window seat. And then, then, you know, I'm thinking, oh, Lord. And here comes Chewbacca walking down the aisle. And I'm like, please, Lord Jesus, there's got to be another seat for this guy. Don't, don't, please, I know, I know I should witness to him and I know all that, but, but please don't let him sit by me. And sure enough, yeah, so I'm between Bigfoot and Chewbacca and, and Bigfoot is breathing all over me and my arms sticking to Chewbacca. It's just terrible and the bathroom stinks. Worst seat I've ever had. Worst seat I've ever had. And, and, and I understand, I, I didn't pay for first class. I'm not going to pay for first class. I didn't pay for business class. I'm not going to pay for a bill. I, I paid for coach. I got what I paid for. When I go to a ball game, I usually, that $15 ticket that I buy, I get what I pay for. But, but what James is saying, that should not be the case in the church. It's okay at a concert. It's okay at a game. But, but not in the church. The church is, is in the world, but it belongs to the kingdom. The problem is sometimes we think more like we, the world than we think like the kingdom. And what James is saying is the church shouldn't be like the world. The church should be like the kingdom. And the kingdom does not show partiality. And don't, and don't get hung up just on finances, though this was their issue. And so they thought, well, if you're rich, you're good. And if you're poor, you're bad. And, and we, in our day, we've, we've taken this thing to a whole nother level. We call it the prosperity gospel, where, where if if you really have, if you're, if you really have God's favor and God's, you know, whatever, then you're gonna, you're just gonna be blessed and prosperous and, 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 and I mean, I mean money and stuff and things and, and we put all this on, on, just money means the blessing and favor of God. And then, and then you know what happens is we don't like that and so we come out with this poverty gospel. And what that means, you're just supposed to be in poverty all the time. And you're supposed to drive a brown pinto station wagon. And, and you're, you're not supposed to have anything. And you, you shouldn't even be going to a game or a concert because that money could be going to feed somebody in Africa. And so, and so you just need to be... And, and, and we just get it. And here's the reality. So who's worse, the rich or the poor? And James is saying, we're all bad. Rich is bad. Poor is bad. We're here. We're all equal in humanity. We're, and this would be a great little, little few things to write down. We're all equal in humanity. Doesn't matter where you're from, what you're about. We're created in the image and likeness of God. Men, women, young, old, rich, poor, black, white. We're, we're made equally in the image of God. But we're also equal in depravity. That means that all have sinned. Well, I ain't sinned as much as that guy. You've sinned. Sin is sin. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So people like you are no better than people unlike you. Because when it comes to depravity, we're equal. When it comes to humanity, we're equal. And those who belong to Jesus are equally saved. We're equally loved. We're equally forgiven. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, shall be saved. So James is saying, 
Don't show favoritism. Don't show partiality. Don't give special uh, interest to somebody else. Don't withhold honor from another group. I mean, just treat people with the utmost respect and the utmost honor regardless of their color, creed, background, anything. Don't show favoritism. You know, we, we look at the life of Jesus and he showed dignity to everybody. Everybody had dignity. The lady at the well, and, and, and Christians are bad at this. We like to turn our nose down at what we might want to label or call as sinners. And Jesus initiates a conversation with a woman that's been married five times, and the man she's living with is not her husband. Why? Because he saw dignity in her. He was able to honor her in spite of what she might be involved in or what she was doing. When Nicodemus, this religious Pharisee, this constant adversary of Christ, comes to Jesus at night, because he was afraid of what might happen to him. Jesus didn't turn him, around, turn him away. He didn't rebuke him. He didn't, he didn't say, get it. No, he interacted with him. Why? Because Nicodemus, in the eyes of Jesus, had dignity. He, was a, he, was, he had value. He was somebody worth talking to. When the rich young ruler came to Jesus, he didn't get... The Bible says he looked on him, and it says he loved him. And Jesus never lies. He loved him. That yet he challenged him to follow him. Why? Why? Because he, he always dealt with people with dignity. That lady with the issue of blood who, who was really an outcast, she'd been bleeding for 12 years. Nobody wanted anything to do with her. She grabs the hem of Jesus' garment, and he doesn't shoo her leg away or tell her to get, what, what are you, you're making me unclean. He looks at her and calls her daughter. The only time in Scripture you see Jesus calling somebody daughter. Why? Because he's full of compassion. He doesn't show favoritism. He sees people with value, with dignity. And that's what, that's what James is encouraging us to do. That's what James is, he's not only encouraging us, he's telling us if we don't, then, then we're, not, we're not living out our faith. If there's one place in the world where, where there shouldn't be any, any discrimination, it ought to be the church. But for some reason, church people can be the most judgmental, the most non-understanding, have expectations of others that they've not put on themselves. Listen, we should be the most compassionate, loving, caring, giving, forgiving people on earth. Why? Because people that have been forgiven show forgiveness. People that have been shown mercy give Mercy, people that have been blessed, not because of their goodness, but because of the goodness of God, they give. Often we forget that at one time we were without God and without hope in this world. But in his great love, he compassionately pursued us and he, and he, and he, he gave us grace instead of judgment and forgiveness instead of wrath and the promise of heaven instead of the punishment of hell. And realizing that ought to change our perception. It ought, to, it ought to cause us to treat the waitress at Cracker Barrel or the, 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 the guy when you come out of there begging for money or the rich person driving the whatever. It ought to cause us to treat everyone with dignity and honor and respect. This is good. We need this. Here's the next thing. So, okay, I, I, I hear the principle, don't show favoritism. I see how it's illustrated. Now, what do I do? And this is what you do. You practice love. Here's what James says. He goes on. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. Why, why does James call loving your neighbor the royal law? He puts a little bit more emphasis on it. It has more significance. Why is that? Because if you learn to love God and love your neighbor, everything else will work out. 
We get fixated on other stuff. We get, we get lost in the forest and, and the truth is right before us. Just love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Make it your aim to please Him. Make it your goal to make Him proud. And then love others as yourself. Just treat others the same way you want to be treated. Treat them with the dignity and the value and the respect and the honor that you want to be treated with. That's the royal law. And if you keep it, you're doing right. So obviously, if you don't keep it, you're doing wrong. That, that, that's, that's, why, that's why Paul in Corinthians said, If I speak in tongues of men or angels, if I got every gift, if I can speak elegantly, but I don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I, I gain nothing. If I, if I take everything I possess and give it to the poor, even if I surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I'm nothing. Here, here's what uh, John said. Anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. It's the royal law. It's the, it's the law of love. And, and here's the deal. Love does not show favoritism. Love does not discriminate. Love does not, is not prejudiced. Love treats people with mercy. Love gives people what they need, not what they deserve. Love builds bridges, not walls. Love reaches out and love covers over. Love reaches people. You don't argue people into the kingdom of God. You love them into the kingdom of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So, so now, now, we principle stated, don't show favoritism. Principle illustrated, hey, this rich man, poor man thing. The, the greatest, the practice love because it's the greatest law. Okay, real quick, how do we raise our love quotient? How do we love people the way that we ought to love them? Let me give you three things and I'll, I'll wrap up. Stay with me, will you? Be accepting of the differences in people. We're just trying to put some application or footing to this love thing. What does it look like? What does it mean? How do I live it out? Just don't tell me what to do. Tell me how to do it. Okay? Be accepting of the differences in people. People are different. Here's what Romans 15, 7 said. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. Accept people. When we come to Christ, he don't, we don't have to clean up to come to him. We come to him and he cleans us up. We don't have to change our personality. He uses our personality. We, we, often we think, well, i got to bring something or do something or offer something to be accepted by Jesus. No, he accepts us just as we are, just like we are, with all our flaws and all our warts and all our stuff. He, he embraces us. And, and if we're going to raise our love quotient, we got to accept people like Jesus accepts us. we got to quit trying to force them in our own mold, making them act like us, look like us, whatever like us. We, we, we can't expect them to be something they're not. We must accept them as who they are. And I, I not, this again, this can be hard because we, we misunderstand and misapply the difference between acceptance and approval. You don't have to approve of somebody and you can still accept them. You don't have to approve of their lifestyle and what they're doing and you can still accept them. Jesus walking down the road one day and, and they take this woman that had been caught in the very act of adultery. i they're trying to trick Jesus. It's really not even about the woman. It's more about him. They drag her out of the very act. I mean, hair's probably uh, all messed up, makeup running because of the tears. She's got nothing on but a sheet. She's dragged and thrown at the foot of Jesus. They, they begin to, the leaders, the religious group, the church, 
that's discriminating and judgmental and hateful. Do something, Jesus. This girl, she got caught in the very act. You're the son of God. You're holy. You're just. You're right. You better do something. Many of you know the story begins to write in the sand. Then he looks up at the, the accusers. Hey, if anyone's without sin, cast the first stone. From oldest to youngest, they begin to drop away. He gets just him and the little girl. I don't know if she's little. Him and the girl, lady, young lady. Hey, look at me. Let me have your attention. See, I'm, I'm sure she won't even look up. She's ashamed. She's embarrassed. She, she's probably feeling guilt and, and even remorse of what's going on. And Jesus won't even, he, he's not even going to talk to her until he gets her full attention. Finally, she looks up at him and he goes, where are your accusers? I don't know. I guess they left. Neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. He he didn't approve of her lifestyle. Go and sin no more. But he showed her dignity. He showed her honor. He showed her respect. He showed her value. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's accepting others the way we want to be accepted. Look, if if you're perfect, you think you got it all together, you don't belong here. Why don't you just go be with Jesus? That's where you belong, with Jesus. But if you, you, this church is a hospital for sinners and those recovering from sin, not a hotel for saints where we can come and dress up and play some part and act like we have it all together. Let's stop it. Let's accept others like Jesus accepts us. Here's another thing. Here's a, okay, how do I love? How do I up this love quotient? Are you getting anything out of this? I am. So I, you know what? I don't even care. I love, I'm getting something. Be grateful for the good in people. We just always want to pick at the bad. We want to get to where they're different or where they're wrong. Here's what what Jesus said. Encourage one another and build each other up. Look for the good in people. And some people it might be harder to find than others, but there is some good in everybody. If you want to be like Jesus, you got to focus on people's strengths, not their weaknesses. Find their qualities, the good things, the best in people, and encourage them in that. It's better to believe the best in people than to focus on the worst. We need to celebrate their gifts, not their flaws. Emphasize their strengths, not their weaknesses. Focus on the best in people and and try the best as we can forget the rest. I am so indebted to a high school coach that saw something in me I didn't see. And nobody else saw it. But this coach saw, he saw potential and he saw possibility. And so he looked past a, a struggling insecure, inadequate teenager and saw through the eyes of Jesus and literally he pulled it out of me and I am who I am today because of a Freddie Mitchell 25 years ago that looked past what was and saw some good. I mean, Paul became the greatest apostle in in large part because of a guy by the name of Barnabas where everybody else was saying, don't have anything to do with Paul. He kills Christians. He's no good. Barnabas says, I've been with him. There's something good in him. He's been changed and transformed by the power of God. We can benefit his ministry. Welcome him. Barnabas saw the good in him. We like to see the bad and immediately count people out. And God is saying, look, find something good and focus on that. Focus on that. Here's here's another thing and the last thing. Be patient with the progress in people. I mean, God's still working on all of us. We all ought to be, we all ought to wear a sign that says God's not finished with me yet. That there's still a lot of work for me to, to do. That, that the thought, that, that, that everybody's a work in progress. I remember, 
uh, not long gone. I mean, you know, I told them about my boys, and I've told you they cut grass, and they do a great job, and they're hard workers. I mean, really hard workers. They'll do whatever to make a buck, and, and I'm so proud of them. Zachary, not long ago, well, it's been several years now, he gets a call from a, a man in our neighborhood that wants him to cut his grass. It's just a one-time thing. They're out of town, and they'll be gone for a week, so cut the grass, and, and, and he'll pay you. But I'm, he said, but just watch out. I got a sprinkler head that's a little high. He showed him where it was, even went over there. Don't Make sure you don't run over that. And so they go out to cut grass, and I get a phone call. Hey, dead. I ran over that sprinkler head. And I get there, and there's water shooting 15 feet in the air. And I don't know anything about sprinklers. I don't know anything about water. All I know is you drink it, and you can wash a car with it. That's about all I know about water. I don't know how to fix anything. There's, I mean, it's shooting light. And I'm just so mad. I, I'm so, so he ran. He didn't see it. He ran over it with a lawnmower, cut it. I'm, you know, it, it didn't matter that I'd been weed whacking. They let me work for them every now and then. When, when I'm weed whacking, I have broken two windshields out of, out of cars because rocks have flown up and hit in the back. I shattered a man's front wind, uh, uh, screen. What's the, the door on the porch? The, the porch door. What a storm door. Shattered it with a rock. When I did it, it was an accident. When I did it, it was the rock's fault. When I did it, give me grace. But when Zachary runs over a sprinkler head, it's his fault. He, he's acting stupid. He's not paying attention. He ought to know better. That's how we are. We, we like to point out the faults in others while we do the same things. And that's why I just say, give grace to people. Uh, give grace, not grief to people. Well, well favorite Let me wrap it up. Trevor, come back out. Keep your notes out. There's a few more. I think there's a few more blanks. Stay with me. I... Favoritism's not a big deal. Oh, oh, it's not? Here's what, here's what uh, James says 2.9. If you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as a lawbreaker. And here's their argument. Well, it's just favoritism. It's just prejudice. It's not adultery or murder. And James is saying if you break one law, you break every law. And so he's saying... And again, I mean, I think we like to rate sin, and I know some sin has more consequences, and some sin, it's going to cost you more, but sin is sin, and the sin of favoritism, it's wrong according to the book of James. And so I'm just encouraging us to walk in love. By this, all men will know we're disciples if we walk in love, to respond with mercy. To be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Don't judge and you won't be judged. Don't condemn and you won't be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. To treat others like we want to be treated. The the golden rule, do unto others as I would have them do unto me. Let me me wrap it up with this. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing right. But if you show favoritism, prejudice, preferential treatment to somebody because of their class or rank or, 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 or you don't because of that. I say we just treat everybody with extreme honor. Put a five star on everybody and treat them like that. If you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as a lawbreaker. Amen, everybody? Amen. Bow your heads with me, will you? Lord, we thank you for your word this morning and we just pray that you'll Begin to use it. Reveal to us in our hearts, in our lives, where, where we've shown favoritism, where we have given special treatment to, to people because of their class or whatever, God, or where we've been less than with other people. God, may we respect people. May we honor people as children of God. May we not see 
through a lens of black or white or culture or nationality. May we see as you see, God, your people, your children. Help us to walk in love. Even this week, Lord, may we apply this message to the hurting, to the poorest, to the richest. May we show value, dignity, and respect, and honor. In Jesus' name. Will you stand to your feet with me as Pastor Andrew comes to close out the service? Love you guys. See you next week. And Mother's Day is going to be a great day. Amen.